last week when we talked talk to you about the, the broken body, we told you that Jesus' body was broken so that we may experience healing. Amen. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 that by his stripes we were healed. In Matthew 8, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. Peter re-echoed that by saying in First Peter chapter 2 that by his stripes we were healed. Amen. And so what the Bible is telling us is that because of what Jesus went through, because of the brokenness and the torture and the suffering that he experienced, Jesus appropriated healing for us. Amen. He appropriated healing for us. And because he did that, we can walk in divine health. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hello, Sister Barbara, I want to move you from over there. You will do your, your um, catching up next time, please. Amen. Uh, I just I want you to come and sit down by your husband. Come and sit, please. I'm waiting for you. Hallelujah. Amen. So in, um, we, we told you that, um, that Jesus appropriated healing for us. Amen. And since he appropriated healing for us, we can walk in divine health. And we need to understand that what Jesus appropriated, we can experience. Amen. It is better to walk in divine health than to be healed. Amen. And so we want to encourage us to, to, to uh, um, appropriate what God, what he did by the brokenness of his body. And we told you something also last week that the, the only way we could appropriate the blessings that comes from the broken body was except his body be broken because if it was not broken, it cannot be multiplied. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so we need now. Today we want to share on the shed blood of Jesus. So turn with me in Matthew 26. We'll be reading from 27 and 28. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 27, the Bible says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Amen. Let's read that verse again together. Say, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you, by your spirit, will reveal to us the importance of the shed blood and what it is and how we can appropriate the blessings that come as the result of the shed blood of Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Holy Spirit, take complete control. Speak to me through me that your people will be encouraged, blessed, and transformed. I pray, Lord, for your people. Give them ears to hear, minds to understand, and wills to obey. We thank you, O oh God, that there be a good heart in everyone, that your word will take roots and produce fruits. In Jesus' name, amen. A story is told about a man. Um, his name is Gilbert, and his, his wife is um, Arlene um, Stockbin. They um, they live in the states um, in Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, this man was um, was a he has a German descent, um, and um, they didn't know God, they didn't love God, they didn't care for God. Um, he was a salesperson, but they didn't even love people. But he he was hardworking and. Um, he got married to his wife, Eileen, when she was 19 years old. And as they began the family, they noticed 
that Alain was sickly. And because he was hardened, he saw sickness and anything that did not measure up as a sign of weakness. And so he didn't pay attention to his wife, although she was complaining of headache and joint aches and um, all the different pains and stuff. He didn't pay any attention. As far as he was concerned, it was that she was just, um, and, you know, making things up and, and trying not, not wanting to do. And he would always make comments about her being strong and getting up from bed and, and not, uh, you know, not just moping about sickness or aches and what have you. So he saw all of those things as weaknesses. Um, over the years, they had three children. Um, and in the process of her sickness, her body began to deteriorate. She began to experience spasms and, and all these different things. And finally, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He was stay hardened. Never never asked anybody for help before. Took her to the doctor, but that was it. Um, she, on the other hand, was um, associated with the Methodist Church. She attended the church, so when she got sick and she was on bed rest, members of the church would come, prepare the food, and this man didn't care for anybody, so when they come in, he would go out. Amen. And um, he didn't want to be bothered by anybody. He didn't want to be, you know, um, he didn't want people in his house, people in his place. And so they would, the church folks would come. They would help to clean up. And he would just get up, fix food. And over and over, he would comment to his wife that it was just a sign of weakness. She needed to get up from over there instead of um, doing that. So one time, um, their friend sent them, um, sent her a book um, by Catherine Coleman. And, um, the title of the book is I Believe in Miracles. And she began to read the book. And um, as she was reading, he came in one day. She was asleep on the bed. The doctor had told her about bed rest. And he saw the book, and he started to go through it. And then he said to her, you don't believe in this thing, uh, you know, thing I am talking about healing. And um, she said, she said to him, yes, I do, uh, you know, and just because you don't believe in God, you, sh you shouldn't take away my belief. And he said, I don't want my wife, no wife of mine will, uh, you know, believe in this garbage because, uh, you know, this thing is not true, medical science and what have you. And he was so hardened. And so she, uh, you know, weep. he took the book from her. He refused to allow her to, to continue to do that. And then they moved from where they were, they moved to another place in Arkansas. And then when they moved, the church she was going to, the Methodist church she was going to, the, the pastor didn't believe in healing. So she started to attend an Episcopal church that had a healing service. And she would attend the service in, on, on um, the weekdays, and she would go to the church on, um, on Sunday. She would go to a regular church on Sunday, go to another place on weekdays. And she was going there over and over. And believing God and trusting that God was able to heal her. Um, her husband didn't know what was happening because he never went to church. His only uh, um, experience about church at that time was that when he was a young boy, he ran to a particular, it was a Pentecostal church, and he looked through the church window and saw the pastor praying for people, and he saw people being slain in the spirit. And in his mind, what kind of church would have people saying all kinds of things that speaking in tongues and falling down on the altar? So as far as he was concerned, church was for weak folks. He never went. And so his wife began to go to this Bible studies. And then one night she came home and they were, she was talking for one thing to the other. And the whole Bible studies stuff was mentioned. And so he buying her from going there. Um, because he felt that this whole healing business is just forceful. And, you know, the doctor has said that her disease was terminal. She had no, you know, it was not curable, and she was just going to be like that, and, and he felt it was forceful. And then he came across a friend of his, this other guy. He was a salesperson, and this other guy was an um, investment, um, um, sales investment broker. 
And so this investment broker called him to make an appointment, and you know, because he wanted to sell him some investment. And so Ben, because of the pain, he couldn't deal with his wife, the suffering his wife. He couldn't solve the problem. So he arranged, because his wife was going to the hospital every day, he arranged for this person to come at the time where his wife was not there, talk to him. He didn't want to buy anything. He just want, wanted somebody to talk to and then get rid of him at the end. So this guy came. His name was Dick Cross. He came in. Successful person. He knew this man from, from his firm. And, you know, very, very successful. And he and the man was talking. They had a conversation. He told the man about his their situation. And at the time, he told him he didn't want to do As soon as they finished the conversation, when this investment broker was about to leave, his wife came in. And so when his wife came in, he introduced his wife and told the, this, this person of his wife's sickness that she was, and you know, she has multiple sclerosis. And so um, Dick now said to his wife, do you know that multiple sclerosis is incurable? And she said, yes, I know, but I believe God can heal me. And then Dick said, yes, I believe too. And so for four hours, Dick, this investment um, broker now, and his wife, this guy's wife who didn't want anybody, for four hours they began to talk about the power of God to heal. And so he, Gilbert, invited the investment broker so he can't be rude to kick him out. So he had to sit through the talk. And so for four hours, he listened through as they talked from one story over the other concerning the power of God to heal. And then towards the end of it, his wife, uh, um, Arlene, asked Dick his personal story. And so Dick began to share his personal story. And his, his personal story was that he was the same like Gilbert. And, you know, it was all money, all sales, everything else. He had no dealing with his wife. Um, he didn't want to be bothered by church. He didn't want to be bothered by anything until his son, David, was riding the bicycle one time and had an accident. And this actually fractured his, his, his hip, fractured his, his whole body. And um, they had to rush him to the hospital. He slipped into coma and he was dying. Okay? And when they was running to the hospital, his wife said to, to Dick now, Said, I just want to let you know that I called the church and they are praying for David. He said, he was like, but what does that have to do with, with this? My son is dying. And when he, you know, when she said that, as soon as she said that, the doctor came out of the emergency room, I mean, the ICU room, and said that his son had just came back out of coma. And so he was like, wait a minute, prayer, coma. And then as, um, as they were talking, within 48 hours, his son was miraculously healed. The doctor didn't know about it. And Dix was saying to Gilbert and Ali now, he said, when that happened, my whole life was turned around because I recognized that there is a God who heals. And so they got he, uh, um, saved got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he was sharing. So they became friends with um, Gilbert and, and Arlene, and they began to interact because Gilbert could relate to him now because he was a salesperson well up there, knew his success and all of that. And they became friends. But Gilbert stayed and didn't want to be bothered by God. So Dick and um, his wife, Virginia, gave um, Arlene the book, the same book that she had before, I believe in miracles and encourage her to read it. Now, at this time, the, um, the multiple sclerosis and the sickness with Eileen was getting bad. So she couldn't see clearly, so she couldn't read. So Gilbert now had to read the story in the book to her. And for weeks, he began to read. For weeks, he began to read. And all of a sudden, the stories and the testimonies, because it's all about personal testimonies, began to dawn on him. And he began to ask the question, is it true? Can this really happen? 
can this really happen? And as he, he began to go through the story and, and something, his heart began to soften. And he found himself asking God, God, if you are there, can you heal my wife? And so that was his thing. Then um, the next couple of weeks after, um, Dick and Virginia, they, talk, they went to Arlene to pray in the hospital. They carried another lady. They anointed her. Um, Gilbert went into the hospital. When he was going to the hospital, the power of God hit the room. He felt the power of God, but he didn't know what it was. He didn't understand. He didn't know what it was, but he felt the power of God in the place. And so he was wondering, all his hair began to stand. Everything was tinkling over him, but he didn't know what it was. There was a holy hush in the hospital. And so he went in, he saw them, he saw them praying, and he was wondering what was, what was it. But he didn't know. He went home, and um, while uh, um, waiting and trying to figure out what it was, he began to read his Bible. Um, seriously, he began to read his Bible just as he was reading a book. And as he was reading his Bible, he began to recognize that the God who they have been talking about all along is a God who loves, is a God who cares, it's a God who heals. It's a God who forgives. And so his heart began to, to soften. And then one day, Dick and Virginia came to them and told them that there was a Catherine. She called Arlene and told her that there was a Catherine Coleman service or meeting in St. Louis. Four hours away or 400 miles away from where they were living. And so Arlene called the, um, her husband, um, Gilbert, and said to him, there is a Catherine Coleman meeting. I want you to take me there. And he was like, where? St. Louis. Four hours, there's no way. And, you know, and then she said, I need to go. And so he, because God has been working on his heart, he said, okay, when I come home, we'll talk about it. So he came home and he was telling her there was no way that he could take her 400 miles. In fact, there's no big hospital in St. Louis. There's, you know, if anything happens, there's nowhere to rush her to. And there's no way he can, he can do and, you know, he could take her. And he said, as he was saying that, deep from within him, it was like a voice just came out of his mouth and said, we will go. Amen. And so they arranged, they went, she was sick, um, drove the mouse, put her in the hotel. The place was so crowded, packed, and what have you. Um, they ended up getting in. Now, when they get in the service, um, there was a, a worship, time of worship. Catherine Coleman came on the stage and she began to pray. Um, and minister, she ministered, and she began to pray. And she began to call on different miracles that were happening in the middle of the, the place, calling from different people. And then all of a sudden, it was like a holy breeze. It just blew through them. And um, Eileen began to ask him, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you feel that? And, um, and then Catherine Coleman pointed to their direction and said, there's a lady in here of multiple sclerosis. He looked around. There's nobody else getting up. And only his wife in that place had multiple sclerosis. She got up, went up. The power of God hit her. She was completely healed. Completely healed. Not only was she completely healed, but the power of God also came upon Gilbert that his heart was turned to God because he saw the power of God and the grace of God. The God who is able to heal and to deliver. They went after the service that day, you know, they had brought a wheelchair and a stool and they to, to, um, for her to sit in because she couldn't walk. And, you know, she couldn't, the pain and all of that. She refused to take the pain killers anymore. They had walked for, you know, a couple of hours. They went back home. Because um, Gilbert now had seen it, he began to attend the, the healing service and the Bible studies. Um, when they were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he ran out. He went out. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. God healed him, saved him, delivered him. And now he's serving God. 
power of God. But something he said that um, that was so profound. He said, when they went to the service, everybody in the service was expecting God to do something miraculous in their lives. There was a great expectation and God performed. Amen. When we desire the presence of God, when we desire the expectation of God, because of what he accomplished 2,000 years ago, he still does today. The God we serve is a God that heals, delivers, and saves the worst of sinners. He is the God who loves us. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant. This is my blood of the new covenant. Amen. The Bible tells us not only did Jesus shed his blood just for our sin, but we are covenant people. Hello? We are covenant people. The blood covenant is one of the greatest and most powerful covenant that anybody can get into. Amen. And the Bible tells us that God cut covenant with us by allowing Jesus to shed his blood. Amen. Jesus died and so God rectified the covenant that he has with us. Amen. Through the blood of Jesus and that we may experience the blessings that come from, from God because of his blood. Amen. The reason why God heals, the reason why God delivers, the reason why God saves, the reason why God is able to do what uh, forgives is because God has decided to cut covenant with you and with me. He is a covenant making and covenant keeping God. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant. It's not just an ordinary blood. It is the blood of the new covenant. And those of us who have come into relationship with Jesus, excuse me, we are covenant people. Say, I'm a covenant child. Say, I'm a covenant child. Now, let me just tell you one or two things about, about, about being a covenant child. You remember uh, 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 God made a covenant with Abraham. And the Bible tells us that when when the children of Israel were in Egypt, God came down in the burning bush and said to Moses, he said, I have remembered my covenant with Abraham, my servant, and I have come down to deliver the children of Israel. Because of the covenant of God that he made with Abraham, God continues to bless the Jews. He continues to bless the children of Israel, because he made a covenant. You see, God does not break covenant. Hello? And so you and I need to be, 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 be encouraged this morning to know that because of the blood, we are covenant people. And not old covenant people, we are new covenant people. Because the Bible says that the blood of Jesus is because of the new covenant that was based on better promises. There was based on better uh, 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 um, uh, uh, promises, better insurance, better blessings, better things than the old covenant. The old covenant had, was made because of law. Amen. If you didn't keep the law, you, 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 you forfeited in the covenant. But the new covenant is made based on grace. David said to, to, in, the, in the book of Psalms, he said, blessed is the man. In whom the Lord does not impute his transgression. You see, David understood that, that sometimes when people sin, there is a penalty for sin. But David, looking at Jesus Christ, looking at the cross, looking at the power of the cross, said, blessed is that man who will understand the new covenant. Who will experience the blood, the shed blood of Jesus, who will be, who will understand what God did for them, and who God by his spirit will wept out his sin. Amen. You see, that's what happened because of the blood. Say, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Now, let me share something with you in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible tells us that we have such a high priest. 
who is passed into heaven. Chapter 9, verse 11. We say, we say, we say Christ has become a high priest of good things to come. With a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, but not of the blood of goats and, and, and calves, but of his own blood, he entered once into the Holy of Holies in heaven to obtain eternal redemption for us. Therefore, he is the mediator of a better covenant. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus poured his blood on the altar in heaven so that he can obtain eternal redemption for us. The old covenant, the priest had to carry the sacrifice every year, sacrificing animals every year to atone for sin. Every year he had to sacrifice so, so that there will be no guilt, no, no, no fear, no condemnation. But Jesus Christ, by the shedding of his blood, his pure blood, his perfect blood, by the shedding of his blood, the Bible says, once and for all, he wept away our sins. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus' blood is the blood of the new covenant. Say the blood of the new covenant. The blood of the new covenant. In John chapter 6, Jesus was speaking to his the disciples, he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, the same thing I said to you last week, we have to partake of his blood. We have to partake of the bread. We have to partake of the blood. Because partaking of it is identification, identifying, and saying that I accept your sacrifice. Amen? And so what Jesus is saying to, to the, he said, except you eat my flesh and eat my blood. Now, was Jesus talking about being cannibal? No. What he was saying is you need to appropriate it in your life. You cannot be saved unless you appropriate the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hello? You have to appropriate the blood. You have to appropriate what God has accomplished in your life. By the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he said, take it in. Amen. Receive it. Appropriate it. Now when we partake of the communion, we take wine, which symbolizes the shed blood. The wine is not, it, it, it doesn't turn into the blood when you are taking it. Amen. It's just a symbol. But what it says is that I believe you, Lord, that you shed your blood for me. And I am appropriating it on my life. Amen. And so what the blood accomplishes is, is what Jesus did. The blood, the shed blood, accomplished uh, 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 eternal redemption for us. Amen. And when we appropriate the shed blood, we can count on the forgiveness of sins. We can count on the deliverance of our soul. We can count on the, 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 the riches and the victory that comes and the reconciliation that comes as the result of Jesus Shedding his blood. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the blood of the covenant. Amen. First Peter chapter 2. Second thing I want you to see is not only is the blood. Is, he said this is my blood of the new covenant. But then the Bible says he said it was. Which is shared. Say shared. For many. Amen. The blood of Jesus was shared for you. And it was shared for me. First Peter chapter 1. The Bible tells us that, that um, we were not saved by incorruptible, I mean by, by corruptible seed like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible word of God, amen, which he, he, he did and by the precious blood of the lamb. The precious blood of the lamb. Jesus' blood is precious, amen. The Bible says we were redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Uh, um, Acts chapter 20 verse 28. Paul was speaking to the Ephesians Christians. He said, take heed unto the flock of God with which he have made you overseer, which he purchased with his blood. Amen. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood to buy us back to himself. Amen. We couldn't redeem ourselves. We couldn't pay the penalty, but Jesus did. Amen. His blood was shed. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus' blood was shed seven times. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says his blood, he sweat 
Uh, amen. He sweated until his blood, his sweat became like drops of blood. His blood was shed in the garden. Um, the, some theologians believe that that's where he won the victory. It was in the garden he won the victory. Amen. Because when, 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 when he was praying and asking God to allow the cup to pass, and he finally was able to give his will and allow God to overcome, um, 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 take hold of his life and offer it as an offering, he won the victory in the garden. He shed his blood. But also the Bible tells us that when Jesus was being uh, 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 tried, the, the, the Roman soldier put upon his head Tones, a crown of tones. Amen. So he shared the blood around his brow. Amen. Because they didn't just, you know, put it there easily. They drive it in. In fact, uh, 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 Rick Renner um, talked about the, the tones. He said the, 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 the crown that was made was made of wild uh, um, leaf. And the, the, the tones that were there was almost about an inch or, or two long. And when they put it in it, they just drive it down in his head. And so he was bleeding all around his brow. He shed his blood in his head. The Bible also tells us that they pull his beers. Hello? They pull his beers. So he shed his blood on his face. Amen? The Bible tells us that he was whipped. Amen? He was whipped. He was whipped on his back until his back could not be recognized. Amen. The Romans, when they whipped you, they will whip you to the point of death. But because they were so skilled, they whip you so that they won't kill you. And some, some people even die. But they whip you and they, they use a, a, a whip that's called the cattle nine tails. They have different tails where they tied metals at the end of the whip. And they were skilled whippers. They will whip you until you when, when they finish whipping you, your back is like sliced meat. Whip him. He shed his blood on his back. Then he was nailed to the cross. His hands and his feet. He shed his blood. His hands and his feet. And then the Bible tells us that he was pierced on his side. Seven times he shed his blood. Now why seven? I said it last week. Seven means completion. You were completely delivered. He said, shed his blood completely. There's no somebody else to do something else for your salvation. It was completed on the cross. Hello? Your redemption was completed. He shed his blood. Completeness. Amen? Jesus gave his life so that you and I can be forgiven, cleansed, watched, uh, made righteous, made holy, re remove the condemnation, the guilt, and satisfy the righteous uh, requirements of the law. Jesus shed his blood completely. There is nothing you can do right now that can change what Jesus did or add to what Jesus did. Hello? There's nothing you can do. Hello? Amen? Because whatever you try to do to add to the, to, 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 to the, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus, you are saying that his blood was not enough. And it was enough. It was completely, it completely satisfied the righteous requirement of, of God. Amen. You see, that's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter what you do, your goodness and your righteousness and your gifts, they all fall short of God's glory. Bishop gave a, a, a formula. He said, um, he said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Say it with me. Say Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That means what Jesus accomplished on the cross or his grace, what he accomplished on the cross plus nothing, that means you can't add anything to it, equals everything. Amen? Because when you go to God, God does not ask for Jesus plus you. 
he looks at Jesus. Amen? So, but then he said another formula, the other side of the formula is that Jesus plus something equals nothing. Say Jesus plus something equals nothing. Now, why is that so? Whenever we try to add to the work of Jesus, God steps back and God says, let me find whether your works are sufficient. So God takes his eyes now from Jesus and look at your works. Amen? Hello? And so what happens then if when God looks at your works account, when he goes to your work account, just like sometimes when you put money in the bank, and it's not sufficient, and there's a check that comes to it. And then what happens? It, 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 it bounces. Amen. Every time you try to take from your works account, there is an overdraw. But when you go to Jesus' account, there is always surplus. Hello? He shared his blood completely for you and for me. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us Romans 3, 21, the Bible says now the righteousness of God which is without the law turn to Romans 3, 21 the righteousness of God which is without the law has been made manifest to us. Hallelujah. Romans 3, 21 say, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the Lord and the prophet, even the righteousness of God, which is true faith to all and upon all who believe, for there is no difference. You see, what Jesus' blood accomplished is that Jesus' blood satisfied the requirements for sin. Okay? It forgives us of our sin. So, whenever God looks at us, God sees the blood. Amen? And because God sees the blood, the blood of Jesus covers our sin. And so instead of us being sin conscious, now we need to be God's conscious. Hello? We need to be God's conscious. And when I say God conscious, that means you need to recognize that it was the blood of Jesus that made you who you are. It was the work of God that made you who you are right now. It was the grace of God that accomplished in you who you are. Amen. And so when we appropriate the blood, we can appropriate forgiveness of sin. We can experience forgiveness of sin. We can experience deliverance because the Bible tells us that we are watched. By the shed blood of Jesus. In Psalm, I like Psalm 103, the Bible says uh, um, that, that God has removed our transgression as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed your transgression. In essence, what the Bible is telling us is that because of the blood of Jesus, you have been forgiven. Say, I am forgiven. Say, I am forgiven. Amen. Now that you are forgiven, it is important then that you walk in newness of life. It is important then that you allow the life of God that God wants to put in you, you allow that life to come alive in you. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us there is a powerful passage in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now, say it, say there is therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so in essence, what God is saying, if you are a child of God and you choose to remain in Christ and choose to walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Hello? There's no condemnation. Now think about this. I don't know if you have, if have you, 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 you stop to think about it, but, but three of the most important things that condemn people and keep them bound are condemnation, guilt, and fear. 
Hello? Those are the most the three most important things that keep people bound, keep them in bondage, and keep them down. Condemnation, guilt, and fear. The guilt portion, the Bible says, He, God, has justified you. Say, He has justified me. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans, in, in Romans, God was saying, uh, uh, he, he said, who is it that condemned? It is God who justifies. Amen? And, and, and so basically what the Bible is telling us is that you have been justified. That means you have been declared not guilty. Hello? But this passage that we're reading in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says you, are, you have no condemnation. That means you... you the devil cannot condemn you, neither should people condemn you. Because you walk in the spirit of life. Now remember, it is walking in the spirit of life. Hello? Hello? Now I'm not saying you're living in sin and you say no condemnation. No, the Bible says stop the sin and walk in the spirit of life. Hello? Amen. And you see, the Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Say in Christ. Say in Christ. Now, what does it mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ means that you are born again. So if you are born again, amen, you are in Christ. And so what the Bible is telling us is that you, there is no condemnation to you because you are born again. Now, the second portion of it is the Bible says that the law, say the law. Now, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. So there's no fear. Hello? No fear. No more fear. No bondage. Set us free from the law of sin and death. The consequences for sin is death. But there is a greater law. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When you get born again, something happens on the inside of you. You become alive. And because you become alive in Christ Jesus, you are operating on a different law. Now, let me, let me explain. Let me give you an example. How many of you have heard about the law of gravity? You know that, right? Because gravity is what keeping you down on the ground right now. Amen. Amen. The law of gravity is, 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 is simple. Whatever goes up, comes down. Right? That's the law of gravity. Whatever goes up, comes down. You don't believe it, try jumping. Okay? Whatever goes up, comes down. That's the law of gravity. Amen? How many of you know about the law of lift? Know about the law of lift? The law of lift is the law that causes the airplane to fly. Hello? Now, is gravity stay in existence when the airplane is flying? If you don't believe it, try opening the door and try to step up. Okay? They, it is staying in existence. But what happens between the law of lift and the law of gravity? The law of lift is a stronger law. It's stronger than the law of gravity. So it defies gravity. Gravity is operating, but the law of lift just operates in a higher plane. Just supersedes it. It's the same with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. If you are born again, if you are living for God, the law of life, the law of sin and death is all around you. Sin and death is all around you. Amen? Because if you sin, there are consequences. Amen? So sin and death is all around you. People all around you are, are engaged in sin. But because you, you are in Christ and you are operating by a higher law, you can walk in and you can supersede the law of sin and death. Amen. And that's what the Bible is telling us. That Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Say hallelujah. He accomplished it for us on the cross. And because he did that for us on the cross. That's why Paul said. Now that you are saved. Now that you are born again. Walk in newness of life. Walk like a child of God. Amen. Because you are forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven. You are set, being set free. God has caused you to experience the victory. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that God, by the blood of Jesus, has brought us, the Gentiles, who were alienated from the kingdom of God, 
alienated from the household of, of God. We were by nature children of wrath. We were far from God. We were foreigners. God, by his blood, brought us back to himself because he, God, had made us part of his family now. The blood of Jesus made us a part of the covenant people of God. He shared his blood for you and for me. Last but not the least, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they, say and they, say and they, say and they. Who are the they the Bible is talking about? These, the Bible says, and they overcame him, talking about the devil, with the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Now, what is a testimony? This is something that maybe I'll talk about it more next week. But this is something that you need to realize, right? What is a testimony? A testimony is something that you say about something that has happened. Hello? Stay with me for a few minutes and we'll soon be done. A testimony is something that you say or you share or you proclaim because of something that has happened either to you or to somebody else. Right? Amen. So the Bible is saying that we overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Remember, that's a constant. The blood of the lamb is a constant. Amen. Because Jesus died, every time you apply the blood, the devil cannot stand against the blood of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to deliver you from anything that the devil may try to bring away your way. But the, remember now the Bible says we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and say in. Say in. And by the word of their testimony. What God is doing in your life is that God is giving you testimony. God is giving you something to talk about, something to share about, something to work on, something to tell people, something to boast about. And by what the Bible is saying, when you face trials, when you face temptation, when you face the works of the devil, you overcome by appropriating the blood and by speaking what God did for you, by declaring what God did for you. Oh, our God, he opened the Red Sea. He did it yesterday. He can do it again. Oh, our God, heal my body. He healed it yesterday. He will heal it again. Oh, my God, provide it for us. And so he did, did it for them. He can do it for me. My God is victorious. The blood of Jesus and the words of our testimony. What has he done? What has he done for you lately? You begin to tell. You begin to appropriate the blood. It is a constant. You see, the blood of Jesus is a constant because whenever the blood is mentioned, I don't care the worst of sinners or sinner you can be, the worst person you can be when the blood is applied. The Bible says it washes you whiter than snow. Amen. It cleanses you. When God looks at you, God sees you as pure and as holy as Jesus Christ. But then God wants to give you something to talk about. He wants to give you some testimonies. Amen. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me help you a little bit. You know, sometimes we, 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 are, we get carried away concerning testimonies. Amen. We think that testimonies are all the good things that happen to you. But let's look at the word. It says testing. Morning. Say test. Say test. You cannot have a testimony without a test. Hello? 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 You cannot have a testimony without a test. Say, God, thank you for the test. Hello? No, most of us don't like the test. Some of us grumble and complain in the test. Some of us say all kinds of things during the test. Some of us even go on AWOL during the test. But you cannot have a testimony without a test. Just the same way you cannot be promoted without going to that class. You cannot have the testimony without the test. Hello? Now let me leave you with this good news. 
Jesus was talking to his disciples towards the end, the last couple of days before he went to the cross. And in John chapter 16, he um, was talking to them, sharing with them about the Holy Spirit and how he would pray the Father about the power of the Holy Spirit would come. And then he looked at them. He said to them, Brother now, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, when you look at that passage and you read through it, it seems like Jesus just chunked it in. Because he was talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about all the good things. And then he just looked at the disciples and said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And then I guess, I can, I can just picture, I'm imagining now. I guess Jesus began to laugh. Because he said, be of good care. I mean, cheer. Amen. He said, be of good cheer. I, 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 I believe Jesus was talking to them and he was sitting and he was talking and he said, in this world you will have tribulation and he began to laugh. <laughs> and, and as he was laughing, he just said, be happy because I have overcome the world. Hello? So in essence, what he was saying, no matter the trials or the tests, you need to realize you are on the winning side. You are on the victor side. He has overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, you, his child, will overcome. What does the Bible says? You are what? More than conqueror, right? I, I share with you concerning more than conqueror, right? The five feet two wife. Okay, who, who stay home and cheer her husband, the boxer. He received all the blow, came back and gave her $30 million, and she went shopping. She's more than a conqueror. He conquered, but she's more than. Because she did not receive any blow, did not sweat, did not have anything, but she got all the money. You are more than a conqueror. Jesus whipped the devil, spoiled principalities and power, and then he gave you the victory. The keys for the kingdom. Let's stand to our feet. Praise and worship God. I want us to worship God before we leave. Remember the blood. The blood of Jesus was shed for your redemption. For my redemption. The blood of Jesus was shed for your forgiveness. The blood of Jesus was shed. And because it was shed, we have the victory. We have the victory.